I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. everybody and welcome to another edition of the World Football Index Extra Podcast. Following on in our series of looking at young talent around Europe, tonight we're heading off to the Bundesliga in Germany to have a look at uh, the best talents on offer and from what I'm led to believe there's there's plenty of them. A little bit of a different format tonight. Um, our, our guest is going to give us a, a team of young players from 1 to 11 for each position, which I think is going to be a bit more fun. And, and our guest tonight is, well, man who, uh, who has been on many podcasts on Anfield Index, and I'm delighted he's come across to, uh, to WFI for us, uh, Jonathan Harding in Germany. You're very welcome, Jonathan. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much for having me on. The Anfield Index family has always treated me well, so I thought I would uh, be on as often as I could be. Listen, it's fantastic that you've taken the time to be on with us, and, and I love the idea of the of, of the, the one to eleven. But for maybe people, you, you know, our own subscribers, maybe you give us a bit of background as to, as to what you do, who you are, and your involvement in football, please. Yeah, sure. I'm a freelance sports journalist who works out in Germany. Work for a number of different people, a few clubs as well. It's uh, it's a great job. Can't complain. Um, been working in the Bundesliga for about five six years now. Um, national team, same sort of time. Uh, I'll go to games as often as I can, depending on work and who I'm working the job for, but um, tend to be involved in most of the day-to-day with uh, the Bundesliga. Indeed. And I take it, you know, your list of 11, I take it these are all players that you, you have seen during your time live in, in Germany. You're talking from first-hand experience here? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I've seen most people live or even in training sometimes. I have the, the advantage of going to some training sessions just to see players, what they're like. Um working on their skills and how far they've come along. I've certainly seen players in the past at training where I thought they're going to, they look like they're going to turn out to be something. And lo and behold, a few seasons later, they're a regular member of a starting 11. So it's always nice when you realize that you're not, you, you, that you're in the right job. Let's just say it like that. <laughs> Indeed. And, and you seem to be, you know, like at the moment, the Bundesliga seems to have a wonderful array of young talent uh, on the go. As, as, as I said to you pre-pod, I don't get the opportunity to see so much of it. Um, you know, we don't get it out here in Brazil. But, you know, from what I read about it, there seems to be a, a, an abundance of talent at the moment in, in the Bundesliga. It's partly to do with the way that the league is set up. And it's one thing that people are very protective about in the Bundesliga at the moment. But, you know, every club has to have an academy and that, that, that's getting changed or the, the, the rules are beginning to change, which is kind of worrying, I think, for, 
for people like me who are strong believers in the ethos of the entire league that you know focus on youth and make sure that young players get their chance that's one of the extended reasons why it's so popular and i think people are appealed by the the entire process uh young players don't just come through but they get the chance to play uh i can only make references to the Premier League in a sense that I remember when I was younger and I watched the Premier League and there was always this belief that, well, we should buy the 25-year-old million Brazilian rather than play the local lad. And I feel like that's not a mindset that exists here. Um, Bayern Munich can obviously buy anybody that they wish, but they're in a separate bracket for most categories and that's obviously this, <laughs> including this. But the rest of the league tends to rely on a very productive system, uh, partly to do with the way that Euro 2000 went for Germany and the, the sort of a terrible combination of results for the national team forced the league to take a look at how its production was was working or in that case wasn't working. But in the last 15 years, it's been staggering really to see the number of young players that have come through. And, and do you think, you know, we always hear about, you know, the German clubs, you know, just before we get into this, we, we always hear, you know, the German clubs are so well set up, um, you know, they're, they're so well fi- financially set up, you know, even, even Bayern, I believe, is our own by fans, um, you know, in a share system. It's very different to, to, to for example, the, the EPL model. Um, and do you, do you think that that's responsible for this? Yeah, there's certainly a role to play. The The biggest rule at the moment, it's interesting, it's very topical, there was a talk about it today there was some news about it today but the, the rule in place in germany is the 50 plus one rule which, which basically means that no one person is allowed to earn more than 50 percent of the club which which are ultimately means that club members retain a large percentage of the club or the majority in most cases uh, that is changing in certain situations i mean wolfsburg and leverkusen are backed by a car an auto manufacturing company and a pharmaceutical company so that kind of is a loophole in the system hanover on the verge of having their chairman take over a majority stakehold which which ultimately does change things because then they can start to make more drastic decisions but the league has survived or not survived that's the wrong word has created a brand for itself on having this fan focus. And I think that they would be very unwise to change that. The, the news today is that St. Pauli, a very famous alternative club in the second division, um, have withdrawn their appeal that they sent last week in which they said that these work clubs, such as Wolfsburg and Leverkusen, should uh, have less money, should be backed in a different way. And it's not fair the way that the TV money is being distributed. It, it's a big topic of conversation at the moment. But yes, in truth, the, the 50 plus one rule needs to survive for the Bundesliga to retain its uh, appeal, I think, internationally. No, indeed. And, and, you know, whenever you, whenever you've outlined that model there uh, from 2000 through today, you know, German football certainly has turned itself around. But listen, let's get into your selection and, and, and start with your, your goalkeeper, who I think is going to interest me <laughs> far away, my man. Um, yeah, Timo Horn is my goalkeeper. I think it might be a little bit controversial because uh, I think a lot of people see Bernd Leno or maybe even Ron Robert Zilos further along. Both of those players have been in the Germany team. Uh, but I think Timo Horn has a better future about him. I think I'd be most excited about him if I was anybody looking for a goalkeeper. Um, the guy's been at Cologne his entire career. He's 22 years old. He's peaking at the right time. He's an excellent shot stopper. He's got some improvements, uh, I think, with the command of his area. There are some areas where I think he could... Sometimes I've seen him in games where he hasn't necessarily been as commanding as he should have been. Um, But I think that's an age thing. You know, the guy is is 22. He's already closing in on 50 Bundesliga games. Um, Only a few players have really done that. Julian Draxler is one of them. He's 
played a number of games, uh, certainly more than 50. But I, as a goalkeeper, uh, I think he's got the most raw talent. I would certainly say he's one of the main reasons that Cologne are where they are in the table. Last season, they were famous for nil-nil draws, which wasn't necessarily inspiring for a lot of fans, but it did keep them in the division. And Timo Horn's heroics was certainly a part of that, and one of the reasons why Cologne had such a formidable defence last season. And, and you know, uh, Jonathan, th- th- there's a lot of uh, a lot of speculation that, that, that you know, Timo Horn could be the man that, that Jurgen Klopp looks to at Liverpool. Um, do, do you think he'd be receptive to, to, to such a move? And also, do you think he'd cope with uh, with the Premier League? Should should a move like that ever come up for him? Is he, you know, is he, you know, you said there's a little bit of development still there uh, and needing to be made. Do you, do you feel he can make that transition of leagues? I know that they're pretty similar. Uh, people make the comparison that they are pretty similar um, in, in in the game. Um, I'm just wondering how you could see him adapting. At 22, uh, I think the temptation to go anywhere is always high, especially if you're a talented uh, player. And Timo Horn is certainly one of those. I think uh, it will be difficult for him to leave a club and a city. It's not to underestimate the impact that Cologne as a city has on players who have grown up here and have come through the ranks. It's a very liberal city. It's a It's a party atmosphere. They're a very happy city. There's a lot going on here. And I think that has a very big place for him and his family uh, and the people around him. Having said that, I think that the lure of the Premier League is probably something that every player would consider. Um, Timo Horn will have to weigh up whether that will affect his international chances. Uh, Joachim Löw has always said that he has preferred players who play in the Bundesliga, um, although that may change depending on how long he stays in the job after the Euros. If he was to go anywhere, I would see Liverpool as a fit mainly because of Jurgen Klopp. I think if he was going to take a jump like that, he would want to be comforted by a man that would be able to to guide him through that. Uh, it's not to underestimate the language side of things. I mean, Timo Horn, I haven't had the chance to speak to him individually, but if he did have any inju- issues with English on a broader scale, having a manager like Jurgen Klopp who can speak German fluently, obviously... Uh, would make the transition a lot easier. Uh, I think that would be a big factor in in him making a move. Uh, one of the reasons why so many German players are now inevitably linked to Liverpool is because of Jurgen Klopp. Indeed, and, and and you know you could cite actually the the, the upturned form of of Emery Chan, um, you know, under Klopp. Uh, as a prime example of, of, of you know, the, the German manager, the German player, you know, he, he looks like a completely different guy um, on under Klopp. And, you know, as I say, the, the, the manager who doesn't play him at right back because he's not a right back. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, I, I'm, not, I'm not going. I went there in the last podcast. I'm not going there again. <laughs> the past is the past. Leave it alone. Um, yeah. uh, as I say, forward, forward, forward. Um, as I say, it, it, it's, it's, it's a case. Um, of, of, of do, do you feel that there's any way that, that this could happen in January, uh, a Timo Horn transfer, or do you, could you see him not moving, maybe in the summer? No, I don't think this is a January deal. German clubs on the whole tend to not do very much business in January unless it's a bit of a sort of knee-jerk reaction, I feel. On the whole, German clubs are very organized. Uh, they get their deals done very early, um, which is a little bit odd and takes some getting used to, but... There are very rarely mega deals or surprise deals on transfer transfer deadline day or even in the transfer window anymore, uh, other than maybe buying, uh, you know, Dortmund's attempt to buy or successful purchase of Shiro Immobile in January wasn't necessarily uh, a successful one. I didn't feel like uh, 
that was a good idea. It was a bit more knee jerk reaction, but um, no, on the whole, German clubs tend not to do much much uh, traffic in in January. I don't think Timo Horn would move in January. He's not the type of player. If he was going to do that, he would need some time to consider it. Next summer, still maybe a little bit early. It depends how vigorously uh, Jurgen Klopp would potentially go after him um, and how well Cologne do this year. No, indeed. And also, the position that he plays, you know, you know, change your goalkeeper uh, midway through a season, especially after he's, you know, he's, he's turned a corner with this team. Uh, it looks, you know, things are looking a little, a little bit brighter. You know, a key position like goalkeeper, um, you know, to blood a young fella in, in the, into the Premier League in the middle of January really isn't, in my opinion, I don't think it's the way to go. No, he needs he needs a preseason. He needs an entire season getting used to a defensive unit. He needs time um, to get used to uh, all of the things that he needs to. Any player would do. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think he would rush it. No, indeed. And I know this is an area in, in Germany that that is quite strong at the moment. Young goalkeepers, young good goalkeepers. Um, do you want to maybe give us a, a go? I know that you wanted to talk about more than there was more than one in your uh, long list. If yes. you want to give us an idea of who else is there, because I know that I know you're quite keen on this. Um, if you want to give us a rundown of maybe a, a couple of others of the, of the strong contenders there uh, in the in the Bundesliga at the moment, yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free. Well, I mean, we have. In the Bundesliga, the greatest goalkeeper in the world, so that helps. Um, it does set the standard somewhat, and I think uh, as a ripple effect, all the other goalkeepers feel the need to try not try and emulate him because he is a phenomenon, but try and reach the same level, at least in certain aspects of their play. Jan Sommer, Gladbach's goalkeeper, is excellent, um, not to be underestimated at all. Diego Bernaglio is Wolfsburg's goalkeeper, also very good. I think he was goalkeeper of the year uh, one of those years in the past. It might have been the year that they won the league, actually. It was before Mamonoy was a household name. Ralph Fairman, Schalke's goalkeeper, was probably the only other keeper that I would have considered other than Timo Horn or Bernd Leno because this season Ralph Fairman has played so well that a lot of people have said he should be in the Germany squad and that really is a huge credit to him because there are a number of other names. As I said, Bernd Leno, Leverkusen's goalkeeper, long stay, very uh, reliable um, similar age to Horn, similar level of development. A lot of people see him further along because he's had exposure to Champions League football, which is a valid argument. I'm not a big fan of Ron Robert Zieler at Hanover. I think he's played too many mediocre games. I think if he decided to move to a top six team, it might change him. Um, other than that, Roman Berkey is a question mark for me. He's been okay for Bristol Dortmund this season, but nothing more than that. And I think that's probably a concern for them. In when you look at the rest of the league, I think a lot of people thought that they were going to buy someone like Timo Horn and develop him. Roman Berkey was a good shot stopper for Freiburg last year, but there are too many aspects of his game that are still lacking. Um, the positive is that when these guys go or they, they get too big for their boots in, in certain clubs, they'll inevitably leave to, uh, for, foreign shores. I'm sure of it, but, uh, when they do, there'll be guys ready to replace them. I think that's the advantage. Yeah, it's a wonderful situation to be in as well. I, I, I saw Germany actually in the World Cup here, um, last year. And, you know, Neuer is a, is a wonderful keeper. You know, he just had, he's almost an arrogance about him. He's so good. Uh, yeah, they, uh, just, just a joy to watch. He's, he's phenomenal. I think the, the thing about Neuer is that he has, he has learned so much under Guardiola. And if there's one player that, I mean, it's hard to say that because you could say the same about Boateng, but if there's one player that you can really see how far they've come along, Mamon Neuer's uh, always had an ability to play outfield, but 
the way in which he has now become an integral part of Bayern Munich's defensive system or, in, or indeed the entire system is, is a huge credit to him, but also an insight into how good a coach Pep Guardiola is, how incredible a coach he is, because Mamor Neuer is almost now the defensive pivot because they basically play with one or two defenders in most Bundesliga games now, and, and Mamor Neuer is one of those. So um, his, his, his goalkeeping is without uh, comparison in terms of shot-stopping and command of area. I, I had a poor game against Arsenal in the Champions League, uh, but it's an exception that happens maybe once a season, which really is a credit to him. No, he is. He, he's wonderful. Well, listen, let's get into your back four and, and we'll start off at right back. Uh, who, who have you got for us there? It was tricky. Uh, there were a couple of players I really wanted to throw in, but I'm going to go with Julian Korb from, from Gladbach. Um, he's come, might surprise a few people and he's definitely one of those uh, hipster choices, I suppose you could say, but... Uh, he's been quite impressive of late. I think Germany have got to consider him in the national team. I think a, a couple of people have also mentioned that. Um, I see him as someone who could potentially make a move eventually abroad, but right now he's he's very happy at Gladbach and he's he's playing a lot better than I thought a lot of people thought he would play. Um, Gladbach's start to the season was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> it's been well documented, um, but. He's 23, so the potential to get better there is huge. Um, I don't think he's necessarily, you know, outstanding in in many respects, but he's been he's been at Gladbach let's say, almost all the way through his his youth ranks. Um, he's in the under 21 team. The other right back that a lot of people would consider is Eric Durham, who plays for for Dortmund and had that incredible. Champions League game against Real Madrid a couple of seasons ago, but the guy is uh, verging on injury prone. And that's probably why I would I would go for Corb. Um I I think he's an outside bet, to be honest. But um with his father a scout for Gladbach, uh, it must be quite a proud moment for him to be able to say that's my son at right back. <laughs> oh indeed, indeed. And 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 is there any you know, is is there any clubs interested in this player or is he is he pretty much fixed where he is? No, nobody has really been in uh, sort of discussions or negotiations. No, not been any transfer news about him. So, I, <laughs> judging by the way that things go in the English media, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a story after this podcast that Julian Corbyn <laughs> is now suddenly oh, the subject to interest. But I, no, he's not. Um, he's not on anybody's public oh, radar. But I'm yeah. sure that there are enough people aware of his quality. I think this season will be a defining one for him. 23 is one of those ages now where, yeah, there's still potential there. But I think a lot of people will demand a finished product near that age um i think if he pushes on what kind of what what kind of ceiling do you see for him you know uh, as the finished article you know uh, in terms of right backs well he's got he has i mean he has got some he's he's one of those typical right backs that's very offensive uh, he's very attacking uh every right back doesn't need to come up to Philip Lahm in this league i think that's one of the dangers uh, philip Lahm has now become such a talented player that he's not really held down by a position. Um, there are a couple of other players that are shining through at a young age in the Bundesliga. Hertha's right back at the moment, who came in recently to play a couple of games. Um, Yanni Regazel, he's been he's far too young to make any sweeping statements about him, but I was excited and interested about whether he could push on. Jeremy Tolyan, he plays at Hoffenheim. He's another player that I've been interested in. Um, but, I mean, I don't think anybody should really be held up. I mean, 
a lot of right backs can also play left back. Tolian is one of those players. He most often plays at left back, has played at right back. Um, but the thing about Corb is that he's predominantly a right back. And I kind of like players who, who are like that because I think the, the temptation is you can over versatile players and sometimes they have to play in too many positions. But yeah, a bit of an outside shout. But I think if you watch him in a couple of games, particularly the way that Gladbach play, Gladbach have changed since they've played under Schubert. They don't play the same way that they played under Lucien Favre. So they actually attack um, quite higher up the pitch now. Uh, under Favre, they tended to build from the back and that meant a bit more patience. But with the way that Schuber has them playing, they're quite aggressive, which means that right-backs are a lot more involved in the attacking side of things. Uh, it's no surprise that Corb has a goal this season. It's no surprise that he has an assist, that he's been involved in that side of plays. Um, even in the Champions League, he's uh, he's looked very good. So I think that there's plenty of reason to be quietly excited. Indeed, and by the sounds of it, he's, he's not alone in, in, in a talent pool for for for, for uh, right backs, uh, which, which sort of highlights what we we're talking about at the beginning. There's a, there's an abundance of talent here. So if we move on to to your right centre back, uh, who who would you have in in, in that position? Well, uh, centre backs are perhaps along with strikers the the biggest issue in Germany. Um, in terms of development, I think a lot of players, Emre Chan is the perfect example, um, player with very good technical ability and very good stamina gets moved to right back, centre back because he has those skills, even though that's not his normal position. Out and out centre backs are very difficult to find. I think that on that basis, if you're good, you've already made it. So, you know, you're looking at your Boatengs, your Matsumos, you know, the players who are already at the top of their game. So to find someone who's sort of on the way there is a little harder in the Bundesliga. It's not quite the same. I've gone for Jonathan Tarr. He plays for Leverkusen. Um, he's 19. And I think that's probably what gets me the most. Um, and he, uh, he's a starter for them at the moment at 19. Yeah, he's played, I think, every single minute this season, um, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh he had a he's had a bit of a tricky career though. He was at Hamburg to begin with, and he he was basically forced to play during Hamburg's relegation situation, and it was very difficult for him because he was seventeen at that point, and he didn't really know how to to deal with it. So they shipped him off to Dusseldorf in the second division on a loan. He regained some some confidence, and then Hamburg sold him to Leverkusen. Um, and I think a lot of people were a bit surprised by that decision at the time. Uh, I was flabbergasted that Hamburg will get rid of him but I can understand especially for the price I don't think it was anywhere near what it should have been I think it was something like five five million pounds which uh, is sort of laughable for for Premier League standards I'm fully aware but the guy hasn't even played that many games in the Bundesliga I think it's worth saying he's played five Champions League games which is nothing but he's only played 30 Bundesliga games for Hamburg and Leverkusen combined so you're talking about a very raw talent Nevertheless, would you agree with me that, that, that you know, at, at 19, especially in the position of, of a centre-back, you know, if, if you're able to play centre-back at 19, um, that, that, that is a wonderful potential um, going oh, it's forward. Huge. It's, it's huge going forward, especially because he's playing Champions League football with Leverkusen now. And he has had some, some bad games. He's had some games where he's made some mistakes. But my, my perspective on this is always long-term. I think... Uh, he has uh, a contract until 2020, so I think Leverkusen have tied him up until then, and I think he's just keen on settling down and working really hard. Um, 
to have that experience at this age, I have really am positive or I'm of the belief that he'll be something special when he, when he gets to the age of maybe 22, 23, because he's going to have by then, if he avoids injury, something like 50, you know, 100, 150, who knows, Bundesliga games. Um, and that kind of experience at that age is, is phenomenal. Um, in, in the long run, he's the type of player who could end up playing something like 500 Bundesliga games. You know, it just depends. Um, but at 19 at that age, to have that much, that raw talent, he's very good in the tackle. Um, he sometimes gets caught the wrong side. I think he, his pace isn't necessarily, I mean, it's not bad, obviously. It's all relative in professional football, but um, his positioning will certainly improve in time. There have been a couple of times in the Champions League where I think he's been caught out. But he hasn't been helped necessarily by Leverkusen. By Toprak is the guy who normally plays next to him. And he's also a player that would be worth mentioning because he's very, he's also very talented and also not that old. But I have reservations. Omar Toprak is 26. I think he should be a little bit further along than he is. Um, he suffered from an injury recently, which could potentially knock him back a bit in the development side of things. Although be keen to see how he comes back. But he's been a good role model for Jonathan Tarr. So I think couple more years and maybe there'll be a bit more interest around about him internationally i mean there hasn't been very many international links with him at all i mean people are aware that he's a talented youngster um he's played for the under 21s for germany but that was only recently i should add he only made his debut for them in september um so the sky's the limit i think Wow. And, and, you know, as I say, I just love to hear about that. And with a 19 year old Jonathan, you're always going to get mistakes. You know, you're, it's, it's how they learn. And, and, and he, in today's world of football with this impatience, they, they just don't allow them to, to, you, to, to make their own mistakes and, and develop into, into the players. I think that the one thing that bothers me most about modern football is just that lack of patience with younger players. You know, you pay a fee for them and maybe pay, pay a big fee for them and, and you just don't have the patience to allow them to become the player that you've actually paid for. No, and I think that's one of the problems. But I think that will potentially serve him well. He's had to deal with a very difficult situation in Hamburg. He's now moved on to the difficult expectation in Leverkusen. It's not just the games in terms of experience that he's gathering, but it's also experience on the pitch and experience as a young man, you know, growing up and dealing with difficult situations and having to make difficult decisions. I think he's growing every day with that. And I think that will make him a very, very valuable football footballer in the future. No, indeed, at that age, first, first team football on a regular basis can't help. So let's move to your right side uh, of, of the defence, or sorry, the left side of it. I'm nearly there. Who would be your left centre back? Nicholas Zula plays for Hoffenheim. He's 20. Um, almost uh, quite similar to, to Jonathan Tarr in the sense that he's playing lots for a young player, but, um, he's come up through, through Hoffenheim's youth, which is not something you hear very often with Hoffenheim. Although that being said, that's an external perspective. Hoffenheim have actually got a very good academy that are working very hard to produce young players. Um, I've always liked Zula ever since he first burst onto the scene. I think it was around the 2014 uh, sort of situation, early early 2014, where suddenly people started to take him a little bit more seriously, which again is phenomenal for a, for a man that's just 20. Um, but he has suffered... Uh, a cruciate ligament injury recently, which kept him out for pretty much most of last season. And it was around this time last year that he injured himself and he was out for the rest of the season. So um bit of a tough break for him. He's back now. 
it's it's good to see him. The, the only problem at the moment is that he's playing for a Hoffenheim side who are in bad form. Um, he's played uh, every minute of the Bundesliga game uh, this season for Hoffenheim. He's played all the time. Um, but Hoffenheim have been very poor, so he's struggled with that. And obviously when play, teams don't play well, then defences are the first area that are questioned. Um, I still think that there's a lot of potential with him. He's very, very strong in the air and he's extremely committed in the challenge. He's what, uh, when he makes a tackle, you certainly know about it. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, but I think he's, he's certainly one of these players who has the attention of, uh, of a few Bundesliga clubs. I think he, in the next few seasons, if he stays injury-free, I'm almost sure that he would make a move to a top-six side, especially if Hoffenheim struggle this season. I would even go so far as to say that a club like Dortmund or, or even Leverkusen um, or Schalke, Gladbach, could make a move for someone like Nicolas Sula, who is more than capable, I think, of playing European football. Yeah, and has he ever played for the under-21s uh, for Germany or, or any yes. kind of sort of youth international football? Yeah. Most players in this respect who are of this age and who I'm talking up in this sense, I think it's almost an expectation in Germany that you will have played for the second highest level for Germany. Um, he's been playing for the under-21s for over a year now. Um, he's not always a starter. The injury was a big setback to him. Uh, I think if he hadn't suffered that, he might be much closer to the Germany first team. But still, he has to be at a better club. I think if he makes a move to a top six side in the next year, stays fit, keeps playing, then he wouldn't be surprised if uh, he was in the Germany squad in the next couple of years. He certainly won't be in it for the Euros, but maybe after that. Oh, that's great. So then who who would you have at left back? I have considered this for quite some time because left back is... <laughs> One of those positions. I really was close to picking um, Manuel Schaefer because Manuel Schaefer has been playing very well for Wolfsburg recently. And I wanted to pick him on sort of an outside bet. But Schaefer is uh, is one of those players that I don't think I can, I can pick um, based on the fact that he's come back from the dead, if you know what I mean. Uh, he wasn't. He was sort of out of it. He's come back and he's now looking like he's been, you know, like he should be playing for the for the national team. But my left back is Jonas Hector, uh, probably unsurprising, another Cologne player um, to go alongside Timo Horn. But um, I, he's made massive strides this year. He's been uh, um, uh, a, a mainstay in the Germany team. Um, <laughs> did I did I say Manuel Schaefer? By the way, you I did, meant yeah. I meant Marcel Schaefer. I mean, Marcel's going to love me for that. Marcel Schaefer. <laughs> That's good. I think it's because I was watching Forty Towers the other day, and I think I got carried away with uh, Manuel. And uh, I think I've been calling everybody Manuel recently. To be fair, but Marcel uh, Schaefer. Schaefer. You know what? We'll, we'll forgive you if you're watching Forty Towers. I for one forgive you because I, I, I still say anybody so, with a disclaimer here. <laughs> What faulty towers? You will get the first names Marcel and Manuel confused. So, yeah, Marcel, Marcel Schaefer has been very good for Wolfsburg, but Jonas Hector is my left back. Um, I think to have someone play for a side like Cologne that are defensively stable, but are not necessarily offensively exciting um, at the age of twenty-five to burst into the the Germany first team and gain recognition, um, bit of a surprise. And he keeps coming back. He keeps being picked uh, in. 
in the, the national team. Uh, and it's sort of, I don't know, for a few people, a bit surprising, but he's had 10 caps already, you know, he's, and that's, that, that's the sign to me that he will almost certainly be in the Euro 2016 squad for Germany. Love, I don't think would make that much, or wouldn't, wouldn't put that much trust in a player if he wasn't sure. Um, and, you know, it's quite funny because he wasn't necessarily the most inspiring. I think a few people sort of thought for a while, I think that year when Cologne came up and they had all those nil-nils, they thought, okay, yeah, he's part of the reason, along with Horn, he was definitely one of those names that got mentioned. But I don't think anybody expected him to make the jump. And, you know, full credit to him when he was in the Germany team, he, he certainly looked the part. Um, he's very attacking left back. Um very quick, uh, not very quick, but quick enough. Does does certainly do the job there, and very neat and tidy. There's nothing spectacular about him, really. Uh, but he, his passing in tight situations is uh, is what you would expect from him. But he, he certainly has the aura around him of someone who works very hard. He puts his head down. Um, certainly does his job properly. I think consummate professional is probably how I would describe him from from what I've seen of him. No, um, you know, there's very few p- bad players make it into that Germany squad. So there, there's obviously something there, uh, Jonathan. Uh, as I say, you know, throughout the history of, of, of me watching football, I've, I've, there's very, very few players that you would ever consider <laughs> anyway, other than very good in, in, in Germany squads. So, so that's a, that's a quite an indictment you, you've given them there. Certainly. I mean, I think anybody who's watched him or watched the Germany team would agree and say that it's a massive surprise that the guys come from a side, as I say, who were not that inspiring at times last season, but played to an effective game plan. One of the reasons that they stayed up and they're able to build on what they did when they were promoted, Cologne, is that they knew what they were always going to do and what's necessary. Uh, And Jonas Hector is a part of that plan um timo horn is another one and i think the danger for cologne is when those main stay pieces start to leave the puzzle will they st- will they keep it together but that's a conversation for another day Jonas Hector is certainly a player who i don't think he would leave i think he's 25 i think he's probably pretty pretty happy where he is i think if he was going to leave he would move inside germany i'm almost willing to bet my house on if i had one on him staying inside germany if he makes a move i'm convinced that he would never move to the premier league um there may be a situation i personally am of the belief that Borussia dortmund are in desperate need for wing backs if i was considering making a move for one i would have jonas hector's number on speed dial no, indeed. So let, let's leave the, the back four where it is uh, and, and move into your, your four in midfield. Um, you know, who, who would be your first choice there? Well, in typical German fashion, I'm going to be playing a 4-2-3-1 because that's just the <laughs> Bundesliga way. Um, okay. So my two holding midfielders. Uh, relatively easy decision with one of them. Um, the guy, uh, I, this is exactly what I said um when I first started, when we started talking, I have had the opportunity to watch him in training a year ago when nobody really knew who he was. And I, I watched him and I thought, God, this guy's first touch is good. But at the end of the session um, at Gladbach, they had a shooting practice. And this guy was smashing the ball into the top corner from 25 yards, 20 yards consistently. And I was thinking, all right, pretty talented. Um it's Mahmoud Dahoud. Um, and he's 19. Again, uh, you have to say for that age, remarkable that he's made the jump. 
not on anybody's radar recently, uh, re- really, when he first arrived. Uh, it's only this season that he's come into his own. One of the main reasons for that is that Christoph Kramer, who many people remember was the man that replaced Sami Khedira in the World Cup final, only to then be brought off because of his concussion. He was on loan at Gladbach uh, for two years, I think. And he returned to Leverkusen this season to play in defensive midfield, which meant that there was a gap in Gladbach's system and, and a hole in which they needed to fill. And Dahoud has taken his chance absolutely with both hands. Um, I've been so, so impressed this season. He's played in every Bundesliga game. He's played in every Champions League game. He's looked so, so comfortable on the ball. He's got such a, a calmness to his play. He's obviously, as I say, got a fantastic shot from distance on him. But it's his touches in and around the area. I remember when he first started coming on as a substitute for 20 minutes here and there. It's his ability to work the ball in tight spaces in and around the area, which I found most impressive, especially as a player that normally is involved in building up the play. Uh, he's got he's got that ability to to move in and around the area as if he was a central or an attacking midfielder. Uh, and I, I just think he's very talented technically. Uh, always a joy to watch. I think... I don't want to make the comparison because there are degrees in which they are different players, but I think he's a bit like Ilkay Gundogan at Dortmund in the sense that he's very good in the transition. Uh, he can win the ball back and then drive forward, although at Gladbach he doesn't have to do that because Granit Xhaka is also there and he's very good at getting yellow cards and winning the ball and then doing that bit for him. So it leaves Dahoud to, to be more of an attacking defensive midfielder, which is nice because he's basically a deep-lying playmaker, but... The guy's been playing for, for Gladbach all the way through. I mean, he's he's come through the youth the youth ranks, as is so often the case um, with players in the Bundesliga. Very interesting story about him, though. Um, you know, he's nationality. He's, he's born in Syria, but raised in Germany. And um, at 19, he's basically made football his life. Um, and I, I think it's a great credit to him what he's managed to achieve on the field. Uh, and... He is potentially a player I can see being lured abroad, but I don't really like talking about that kind of thing about players because, you know, at 19, so much could go wrong, so much could go right. But he's a great fit for Gladbach. I would say he's so good for Gladbach that I can imagine he would leave to play for, uh, you know, Bayern don't really need any more defensive midfielders, so like Dortmund or Wolfsburg or Leverkusen. But, I mean, Leverkusen is almost verging on a rival for, for Gladbach, I think. So if he was going to leave... Maybe he would leave internationally or inside Germany. It would have to be for one of the top two or three clubs, really. Well, um, um, you know, is this guy getting on the score? So, you know, you spoke about the, this great shot that he had and so on. And, and, and also, he, he sounds, you know, out of all the players so far, this sounds, you know, your words sort of portray to me that this is the closest to the finished article so far. Definitely. Um, I think... Out of all the players I've mentioned, I mean, Jonas Hector being in the national team certainly makes a difference. Um but Dahoud, in the way in which he's slotted in, um, yeah, it's it's really impressive. It really, really is impressive. I mean, when Gladbach uh, first saw him, he was actually playing in Dusseldorf's academy, and they saw him and they sort of took one look at him and they said, "Yeah, well, you've got to come to our to us." Um, and he he was he was allowed to train with Gladbach when Favre was there. As I saw, that's as I said, that's when I saw him. Um, but he, he didn't really make the breakthrough under Favre, partly due to the way that they played. And I think that sort of the more dynamic situation that they have going on now has, has worked wonders for him. He hasn't been 
prolific. Uh, he scored two goals in the league and he's had four assists. But from a deep lying playmaker, it's it's. I think that's fine. Um, there's still a long way to go in the season. If he ends up getting something like five, then then that's fine. Um, the guy. I just, I'm so impressed at the way in which he's come in because the guy who's replaced Christoph Kramer was a much slower, more of a, a ball recycler kind of player, which is fine and you do need that. But the Hood is very direct. Um, this season, the, the game, if anybody wants to watch specific highlights, you should watch his performance against Eintracht Frankfurt this season. Um, Gladbach won 5 1, he scored one and set up two. It was the game that sort of everybody went, okay, this guy's. Obviously, extremely talented. Uh, he's 19. Um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see him stay, and that's exactly what he's done. Um, look, he, there are so many players, and he's, he's, I could say this for almost everyone in this team, uh, with obviously exceptions who are already in the Germany team, but I really think that in the long term, if he keeps going the way he, he is going, then he could be in the Germany team. And I, I think he would be in a national team right now if it wasn't for the fact that he was German, because there are so many top-class players already playing in his position, and that's understandable. Um, but how how positive is that for Germany? That in their defensive well, midfield position, that they already have the players that they have, you know, your Kadiras, your Schweinsteigers, um, and your Gundogans, right? And you are already talking about a 19-year-old talent who we are already saying, if given the right path of progression, has the ability to be in that squad. I mean, great, great potential. Well, that, that, that really is incredible. You know, and, and I love the fact that he's a goal scoring deep line midfielder as well. You know, Jonathan, you know, the way you've portrayed him, it has been no interest from, you know, from, from a league or, or the EPL for, for this guy. Is there anybody sniffing around about but, but the sound of it? Um, you know, he's top locker. Well, I certainly consider him to, to be very much on the right path. Uh, I, there are some aspects of his game. His temperament is a little bit off sometimes, uh, but that's, you know, he's a young man as to be expected. Sometimes he, um, he can give the ball away a little needlessly when he's a bit impatient. He's very keen to, to get forward and get involved, but that's normal for a player of his age. I don't think there are any shocking signs. As I say, his touch and technique and his ability to, to drive forward teams and create chances. I, very exciting. There hasn't been very much interest as again, uh, public interest. Um, so far as I, no, I haven't really heard anything. But then again, fortunately, uh, that's been a good thing for him. He's able to keep his feet on the ground and, and keep his development in play. I wouldn't be surprised come January if there were reports left, right and centre. But he'll be at Gladbach for a while yet. I would be very surprised if he left before uh, in the next season or two. I think he's got to just get his head down. I think he will. Um, and he just wants to keep playing his football. So, And it's a credit to him, I have to say, because... Um, He's the first Syrian to play in the Bundesliga and that by no means w was an easy task considering where he came from and, and the situation that he had to to grow up in. No, indeed. Uh, that's that's an, an excellent point. Um, you know, as I say, I, I must take a look at this guy on YouTube if, if my internet ever works sufficiently for me to do that. But uh, let, let's move on to, to, to your other uh, deep line midfielder. Who, who have you picked there? There were a number of options. I really do like, um, and they both play for Schalke. Uh, and I think it's difficult to to argue one over the other. Um, and I, I know that I've spoken or Dave Hendrick from from the Anfield Index, or one of the most 
tweeted to Liverpool fans I, I know, one of the most respected Liverpool fans I know as well, by all accounts, um, said he doesn't like this player in this position. He doesn't think he's as good in this position. But Leon Goretzka or Jonas, Johannes Geis, they're the two players that I would consider in this position. Uh, maybe Geis gets the edge because he's got such phenomenal set-piece ability. Um, his corners and his free kicks are, are fantastic. But I might edge it with Goretzka on the basis that he's um, a little bit younger. Um, Goretzka is is twenty, and has overcome defensive uh, has overcome injuries. Excuse me to to be in the position that he's in. Um, we're sort of picking at party because Johannes Geis is twenty two, so you know it's minimal really. But uh, this season will be de- sort of decisive about which player comes out on top. Um, as I say, Guy says the edge from set pieces. Uh, he's very robust defensive midfielder, whereas I find Leon Goretzka is a bit like De Hood in the sense that he likes to drive forward. He likes to win the ball back. He has that neat passing ability to him, but at the same time, he can also push on uh, and do what he needs to. He's not a goal-scoring player, but um, he had a, a spell at Bochum and that's you know where he came from. Schalke bought him from there, and he was one of those wonder kids of Bochum. And he's he actually came through their youth academy, and then Schalke said we need to buy him, and it was interesting because they ended up buying him for something like two and a half million or three million. It was just nothing, which again is something that I'm sure a lot of Premier League fans will laugh at, considering how well formed the player is now. Um, but he had he has had some injury troubles, as I say, and he's he's sort of. There was a time where I think a lot of people were worried whether he was he that was going to be his career, you know, whether that was going to be him done. Um, his muscle, his muscles, muscle injuries uh, in July last year kept him out until February of this year. So I mean, that's that's a very long time. Um, and at twenty, there's nothing more frustrating than that. I don't think um, than being ready to play but not able to play. Um, I think he knows that, but. He has played for Germany. Um, Johannes Geis has not, so there's one difference there. I think he's been recognised as a as a potential talent, or be that. Uh, I think it was a friendly in May. Um, it's, it's a while ago. I think he got 45 minutes. It wasn't massive, but um, I think he's got a long way to go to get back on Löw's radar for the national team. But I think it shows you that the talent was there. You know, he used to be captain of the under 21s when he was when he was in that team. Um, I think. The guy is, is a good leader. He leads by example. On the pitch, he was certainly uh, a very important player for, for Bochum. Um, having come back from that injury spell, the fact that at 20, he's been able to work his way back into the under-21 team and in, in the Germany under-21 team, be their captain in that team for their under-21 uh, qualification campaign, which they obviously waltzed. Um, He's scored, he's assisted a couple games in that. He's looked very, very good. And it's the kind of form that has finally got him back into where he needs to be. Uh, he's at the right club. They're a top six team uh, on paper. And he has the right place and the right location to really develop. Um, I just hope he stays fit because I think if he does, then he certainly will be a player that is closer to, to national team selection in the in the long term. No, indeed. And it's, and it's lovely. It's so refreshing to hear about these young guys who are, you know, nearly permanent fixtures within their, you know, within their club team. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Because, you know, the football we watch in the EPL, kids just don't get the same opportunity. The Bundesliga seems to be a wonderful league for this. Uh, you know, I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning here at the same time, if you forgive me. It just does seem to be a great <laughs> place for development. Not at all. It is a great place. And as I said earlier, I think that's one of the biggest things. And, you know, okay, let's take Goretzka as an example. He's a talented player in, in the second division for Bochum. Schalke take a look at him. They think he's got what he, what, the, what it takes to make it in the first division. They pay a very modest price for him. Bochum say thank you very much. And he comes up and he plays here. And, and the guy's 20 now, you know, so. He was 17, 18 when these things started to happen and the moves were made and he, he's finally come through what he needed to, to overcome in terms of injury. I just hope he can push on now. But, you know, the guy's played 12 Bundesliga games this season. He, he's, he's nearly got a thousand minutes. You know, he's looking, looking like he's capable of, of playing the way, uh, playing as regularly as he should be. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's very, very important for him. It's very important for Schalke. But as I say, I, I do believe that. But in the long term, it could be very important for Germany. Bastian Schweinsteiger is not getting any younger. Um, there are obviously players ahead of Goretzka in that argument. But, you know, another player I nearly picked in this position was Julian Weigel. But I think that Julian Weigel's rise at Dortmund has been so well documented that I felt it would almost now be a little bit, un, not unfair, but, you know, he's so well known that I felt I wanted to go with another player that might have perhaps fallen by the wayside. And I have a lot of respect for Leon Goretzka in the way that he's gone about handling his injury, the way he's come back and the form he's shown. But, you know, Weigel is also 20. Um, and Julian Weigel is another player who came from 1860 Munich. Um, 18- I say another player because that's where both Bender brothers came from and where Kevin Folland came from because 1860 have a very good academy. Um, he's another player who was bought from a second division team for a modest fee. It was two, three million or something like that. And, um, now he's proved that he's more than capable of basically being the, the heart of Thomas Tuchel's Dortmund team. You know, these young players are being asked to do an awful lot, you know, complex set of tactics and changing their mindsets 
inside games, right? We're going to move from four three three in possession to four two three one outside of possession, whatever it is. Okay, now I want you to press more in the first twenty minutes. Then I want you to sit back. Then I want you to man mark. And at twenty, to have the footballing intelligence to be able to do that does tell you everything you need to know about the way in which these players are being coached from a very young age. They are already aware of how to handle these situations, and that is exactly what other leagues should aspire to. And they should give these young players an opportunity, which is. Exactly why I think the average age of most of the players I've labelled or named so far is probably around 19 or 20. Well, to me, it's just totally refreshing. And I love hearing it. You know, it's just like music to my ears to hear this. <laughs> but listen, let's, let's move forward into the front side of your, of your midfield. Who, who you got, who's your next up? Right. Um, well, I've got three behind one striker. Um, and obviously, one of those three is Leroy Sane. Uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention him. I know that in the same respect, you know, people say, oh, well, Julian Weigel's huge this season. Yeah, Leroy Sane is just as, just as important, just as huge. But I, I kind of really wanted to talk about Sane more than I wanted to talk about Weigel because I felt a little bit sorry for him in, in some respects. Obviously, what happened in France when Germany played, um, France in their friendly was absolutely horrific. Um, and I'm, I know, you know, there was nothing, less important than football on that day there was there's just no no relevance to to what happened on the pitch that night uh, abs- absolutely agree 100% absolutely but, agree 100% that was also the night that Leroy Sané made his debut for Germany and that's um it was a very odd feeling i imagine for him it was a very odd feeling working on the game and looking at that situation and thinking you know this is supposed to be a high point in his career um and yet here we are, uh, and it and it has rightly, as I say, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm merely stating that these things get correctly forgotten on on nights like this because humanity comes first. But it is an insight from a footballing perspective to come back to Sane himself that he has come so far this year that he would even be considered in that team um, in a position where so many players are currently or potentially ahead of him. Um, yeah, of course, Love was going to have to make some changes after winning the World Cup. But Leroy Sane has played so well at times this season that he has carried Schalke. Um, and that is a huge credit to, again, surprise, surprise, a 19-year-old. Um, he's uh, a right winger. Um, he has enormous pace. He has great skill with his feet. He, he has some work to do with... Um, Sometimes with his with his decision making in the final third, uh, but I could say the same about Goretzka. Um, you know, yeah, these guys are young, but they have a few rough edges. Um, you know, by no means are, are any of them finished products. Uh, that's definitely not the case. But at nineteen, the guy has impressed me so much. He plays on the right wing, but he is left footed. Let's not forget that's also worth knowing. Um, as I say, carried Schalke this time, sometimes this season. He's played 14 games in the in the league. He scored four goals. He has four assists. He, but it's not just about the numbers. Um, there have been times this season, performances this season. I'm mean, thinking about them off the top of my head. Hamburg away, Stuttgart away. One nil wins. Both goals from Sane. Um, Ingolstadt at home, one one. Slightly disappointing, surprising. Sane, the goal scorer. Um, pivotal assists uh, in in games in which. Shouldn't be forgotten. Okay, they lost the derby to Dortmund, but he was brilliant in that. You know, he was he completely understood what it was to play a derby, and at nineteen, to have that ability, uh, such a huge credit. The guy has been 
loved in Germany already. He's already sort of one of the, the favorites. He's one of the sort of pinups. His Afro style has got a lot of love. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I certainly believe that working a, a character, working an angle is beneficial for you as an individual. He's certainly done that. He's created more around him than just, um, than just a footballer. I think sometimes people forget that if you can have more to you, then why not? Um, but he's a joy to watch. He really is exciting. He's, whenever he gets on the ball, you always have the feeling that something's going to happen. Uh, and I think a lot of players in the league, whether on his team or not, appreciate his quality. Um, he's always in and about it. Um, he has, as a result, been under large amounts of speculation. Liverpool, Manchester United, Inter Milan, Arsenal, Manchester City, to name probably just a few, are apparently all interested. Um which is, you know, hilarious, but, um, for me, because the guy, the kid, I should say, um, has, has a long way to go. Um, he, and that's exciting. And I don't mean that as a negative thing. Uh, his contract runs till 2019. I don't expect him to go in January. If, you know, for anybody who's thinking, oh, maybe we'll get him in January. I don't expect him to go in January. And I almost certainly don't expect to go in summer unless, unless, a ridiculous offer is made. Um, and in which case, and this is a sort of disclaimer for all Bundesliga clubs, really, because everybody in Germany will laugh at an offer. Um, Firmino is the best example. Roberto Firmino okay. is not worth 40 million. I'm, I'm sorry. He's not worth 40 million pounds. Um, he's probably worth 20. Um, but the Premier League at the moment has this insistence on, on panicking and, and paying too much. Now, I can already hear people shouting at me saying, hold on, he's been bought for potential. I absolutely agree. But there's no need to inflate 20 to 40. Uh, Hoffenheim would have accepted 25 or 30. I'm very confident of that. Uh, obviously, I wasn't in nego negotiations. Uh, I'm not friends with anybody at Liverpool or Hoffenheim Football Club. But um, I'm confident that they would have accepted 25 to 30, but I think they knew they could have got 40. So they got 40, which to them is, you know, ultimately kudos because like many Bundesliga clubs, the league as a whole has realized that if the Premier League is willing to, to buy a player, that they can stretch them and ultimately pull their pants down on most deals. Now, I'm not saying that Liverpool have been robbed in that sense, but they overpaid for him, right? I'm sure he will turn out to be the brilliant player that he is. And he has a long, he has a few things to develop, but he's, already shown how wonderful he can be. Sané is another perfect example of a player that might well move in the summer for 30 million. You know, you've got to take everything into consideration. The kid has burst onto the scene. He's 19 years old. He will have, by that stage, had one very, very good season in the Bundesliga. If he stays fit, fantastic. But he hasn't got years and years of experience. Um, he has a long way to go in terms of... It, honing in a few things but as we've said that about most young players that's considered that's perfectly normal at his age and yeah of course you're buying for the future but I think that's one thing to be wary of so I would say he will stay at Schalke for at least another year unless a ridiculous offer comes in in the summer no Jonathan there's uh, you know I, I need to ask you this because you you know from from my own club's perspective on this you, you know there's a very 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 strong link um you, you know obviously my twitter feed would be full, full of it um you know for liverpool i realize there's other clubs involved but it seems like that there seems to be a real interest there is is that interest real or is this just the papers talking well from what i've read uh it sounds like Jurgen Klopp wants to buy every player that used to play in the Bundesliga. Particularly, <laughs> well, there's that as well. <laughs> particularly, the, 
the Dortmund ones, but um, I have read uh, a lot about Sane and, and Liverpool, to be honest. I mean, I also heard that Horst Helt said that he had sort of something to do with an, an informal offer, I think, or, or something like that from Liverpool. I think, I let me just double check that. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that there was something like that. That, but I don't think anything has been put on the table, um, you know, to 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 suggest that um, that move would happen. As I say, I think it would take a lot of money for it to to ha- to happen. Max Meyer is another player that apparently has um, been of great interest to the Premier League. Um, I don't know um, what the what that will hold going forward because. It seems to me that young players are so naturally are so sought after these days uh, that it's difficult to keep a hold of them. But um, I know from from what Horst Helt says, and I have to say that Horst Helt does talk a lot of hot air, shall we say? Um, you can say but you can say bollocks if you want. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that Liverpool have have got in touch. Uh, I. I I don't know, but he said he wasn't interested and he wanted to, and he rejected their approach um, over the summer. I think that was when Rodgers was still in charge. And, um, you know, he's saying that ultimately um, he wants to keep him, obviously, and uh, Helt is very keen on, on making sure that these type of players stick around. Um, if... If he is to move, it would take a big, it would take a big offer, uh, sort of Firmino-esque, um, wouldn't necessarily need to be in the same ballpark, but you've got to bear in mind that if this kid keeps playing the way he has in the first half, in the second half of the season, then, you know, obviously Premier League inflation dictates that something around the 25, 30 million mark will probably be acceptable. Obviously, for me, these prices are ridiculous. He's what, apparently, according to Transfermarkt, uh, he's worth 8 million at the moment. I would say he's probably worth 10 to 15. Um, but let's be patient. There's a lot of time left in the first in the season. I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Um, but Liverpool are obviously interested in him. I think we can say that. I think that that seems to be the case. Uh, the German press have also recognised that. Um, but they're also suggesting that Helt is very keen on keeping him. So I think there's probably a bit of poker going on. Look at the Julian Draxler situation. Um, in the summer, will he stay? Will he go? He obviously went, but he went for a huge fee. So I don't know. Um, in a similar way to the way that Draxler performed when he first burst onto the scene for Schalke, there were times where his performance was were sort of carrying Schalke. Um, Sané has done the same here. My hope is that he doesn't go the same way. And Draxler, who had a bit of a, a blip um, in his career in terms of form, but Sané doesn't look like that. He's a very happy player, a very happy guy, young kid. He seems very joyful about life, very happy. And I think that comes across in the field. He plays like he enjoys it. And that's really nice to see. It, it's very rare that you see players who are really loving what they're doing these days. Uh, so often it looks like a job and understandably they have a lot to focus on. But a 19, Leroy Sané is capable of putting into place those complex ideas and tactical formations and situations as well as looking like a player who's enjoying it, which is nice to see. No, and you know what? Those words just sound to me that, but, and, and you'll have much, much, much more experience of this than I do. Uh, he sounds like a Jurgen Klopp kind of player, so I can understand that link to Liverpool from from what you've just said there. But would would Jurgen Klopp be his type of manager? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's certainly a, a valid point. Um, he's an aggressive winger. Um, when I think about the way 
in which Marco Royce played on the wing for Dortmund under Klopp. Um, it's a similar kind of situation. Someone who plays on a, as a sort of inverted winger on the wrong wing with a different foot. Um, I think certainly Jurgen Klopp would be a, a good coach for, for, for developing him. I have no doubts that that would be something that would work. Uh, and again, a reason why Leroy Sane would consider Liverpool. I think, I don't know whether, I'm sure it's been written about, but really should not underestimate the effect that obviously Jurgen Klopp as a manager has because of his passion and because of his personal management. His man management is probably up there with the best in the world. And his ability to do that with making sure individuals feel like people. Uh, you know, he has players fall in love with his ideas, but also him as an, him as a leader. You know, this is a guy I want to play for. I'm sure that's been stressed, but that's a very, very motivating factor for a lot of players. Uh, and I can imagine that that would be the, the case for, for Leroy, were that to come about. No, indeed. The man's just, uh, from, from, from what little I've seen of him, you know, he's, he's only been there a short time. His rep, reputation preceded him, but he just seems like a night and night winner to me, Jonathan. And, and it almost seems, you know, from, from my perspective, I know we're, we're going to move on here, but it, it's almost like success is cast in stone the minute he arrived. It's just, he's just instills that type of confidence. You can imagine what he does with players, you know, but listen, we're, let's not linger on that one. Uh, let, let, let's move forward to your next midfielder. Um, yeah, let's, uh, it's a bit, it's a bit complicated, uh, the way I want to set up, uh, they're really difficult because there are uh, quite a few players that I like who play in this type of position, uh, and in the center of midfield, uh, in an attacking central midfield. And Max Meyer is one of them. And I don't want to sound like I'm just picking Schalke players here. Um, <laughs> because as much as I like Schalke, um, there are other players in the league that deserve to be considered. So I'm actually going to pick Yunus Mali in the center, uh, in the attacking position, in the 10, shall we say. Um, he plays for Mainz. Mainz are not necessarily a well-known club, although they may be now because that's where Jurgen Klopp... Uh, I, yes, exactly. Uh, they've they've become very famous. <laughs> the amount of... <laughs> of I can tell you now, Mainz will be laughing and very, very appreciative for the amount of screen time, media time that their club name is getting as a result of one man. Um Jurgen Klopp's uh, playing career and you know managerial career obviously made Mainz worldwide famous now that he is a Liverpool manager I have to say. Um Yunus Mali is uh, 23 so you know old for this team. <laughs> Recently declared that he would be playing um for Turkey not for Germany which is very interesting. Um but I think a sensible decision for a player that at the age that he is at uh in a position that he plays in knows that he wouldn't necessarily make the Germany first team or the squad, which is completely understandable. A bit like uh, Sané, he has carried uh, Mainz at times this season. And as an attacking midfielder, he has scored eight goals in 14 games. Now that's a very impressive haul for my uh, taste. He's very quick. He's very good on the edge of the area. He's very good at shooting on the edge of the area, but it's his interplay, really. Um, Mainz have a very modest squad. It's worth pointing out. Um, they're a very modest team. They have highs and lows of form. I think they're currently on a run of four unbeaten, but they are ninth in the table. Uh, back and forth, they've been a bit yo-yo-y with their sort of, you know, up to nearly fourth and down to 13th. And there have been times where they've sort of been up and down all over the place. So, 
Martin Schmidt is their manager, still undecided on him, but they're now on a good good run of form in terms of four games unbeaten. And Yunus Mali has, you know, he's 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 a huge huge player for them. Um, there are a couple of players like Yunus Mali who basically carry these or lead these um, some of the middle mid table teams in in Germany. Uh, Hanover, I think of Kiyotake, Hiroshi Kiyotake, um, brilliant playmaker for them uh, but without him sometimes they struggle Mainz are a little bit the same you know without Yunus Mali they definitely lack bite here in midfield I think he's probably one of the most underrated um, players in the Bundesliga I don't think he necessarily gets the appreciation that he should get maybe because he plays for the team that he plays for if he keeps going the way that he, he is I'm sure that a top six side top top five side will pick him up in Germany. Uh, I don't see him making a, a, an international move in that sense, but um, very well settled at Mainz. Um, I just think very talented. Uh, and for a side, I think it sounds odd because, you know, you can say, oh, very talented players. You say that all the time. But for a player that plays for a club that doesn't necessarily get recognized all the time, you know, he's 23 years old. He's nearly played 100 Bundesliga games. And this is a guy who plays for a mid-table team but he's a standout player uh, and I think that's the the exception and he's been getting progressively better every year it's not about goal tallies or assists or returns but he his play his understanding his first touch his positioning all of those things and his you know most sides in the Bundesliga try and play very quick transition football so when they win the ball back they try and play as, as aggressively forward as possible and He's a perfect player to have in a team like this when you're flanked by two unknown wingers, maybe, um, you could say. Uh, and he's the one leading it. He's giving the guidance. And as a result, I feel like other players in Mainz have now started to play better as well because of the impact he has on on the club. Well, that's, he, he's another one. So has, he, has he actually made any appearances for Turkey yet, Jonathan? Or, or is that still something that's in transition? No, I uh, I think he has very recently. Um, there was a big debate about whether he would or he wouldn't. Uh, he's played, yes, he has. He's played two friendlies. Um, so he's, I don't know, I don't know the regulations about friendlies and whether that ties you in these days. I can't understand the legitimacy, but he was for, beforehand, I have to say, a regular member of the uh, under 21 team. So, you know, for Germany, uh, which is interesting. Um, he said he had to listen to his heart in making the, the decision and um, sounds like it was a, a decision that made sense for him. I certainly full-heartedly agree with the decision uh, from a pure footballing's perspective, which is the only perspective I can give based on the fact that I'm not friends with Yunus Mali and I don't know his family situation. But I think it makes complete sense for a player in the 10 at this age and where he is in his development to choose a country that he's going to play for, not a country that he would ultimately not really be in the squad for. No, indeed. That's, that's great. So move, moving along, um, um, who is your, your final midfielder? Uh, he doesn't normally play in this position, but he can play in there. Uh, but I'm going to go with Max Meyer simply because he's phenomenal. Um, I, I really do think, I mean, the guy's like you know, 170 something in terms of height. He's, he's very small, uh, but he's become a massive part of Germany's under 21 teams. He's definitely the center of that team now, I think offensively with Sane, which is ironic because, well, perfect really because they both play for the same team. A bit like Goretzka, he made his appearance in uh, in a friendly before the World Cup. And there was a friendly where Germany played Poland, it was 0-0, but Löw gave friendly, uh, 
debuts to something like six players or something. I can't remember. Andrew Andre Hahn also made an appearance in that in that game. Um, so he's been out of out of the team, if you like, the, the Germany team for a while. But that's unfair reflection on him. He's been in the under twenty one team. He's been uh, a force to be reckoned with. And um, again, I I only have to look at the qualifying campaign. I, I look at his performances. I remember watching him. Okay, Germany weren't playing necessarily the the most testing of nations, but the guys come through the youth team again. It's a repetitive syndrome, but it's a really good syndrome to to, to keep talking about. He's twenty. And he's now playing regular regular football. There was a period where I was worried that he wasn't going to get the game time at Schalke. I think when Jens Keller was in charge, there were question marks as to why he wasn't playing. You know, when you have a talented youngster, why wouldn't you play him? Um, but that seems to be a resolve now. Uh, Andre Breitenreiter is a very positive, forward-thinking player. Uh, he does play um, Max Meyer out on the left, which is why I've sort of had him here in my in my squad, I think, in this position. But it's... It sounds um, kind of strange, but he's. I think a lot of players, people will remember Sheran Shakiri. He was a very small player, uh, but very compact, very strong. Max Meyer is also very, very compact, but he's not a brute force kind of player. You know, he's not massive, but uh, he he has got quick feet. He's got a good shot on him. His goal against uh, Bayern recently was very impressive, well taken. Although some people say that Neuer was at fault, was well hit. Um, he knows what it is to to be a player for Schalke, to understand the the club and the area. It's hard to believe. I can't even believe he's played over a hundred games for Schalke. Um, sounds you know ridiculous considering what I just said about not maybe being in the team and such. But he's only twenty four away from a hundred Bundesliga appearances. So if he stays wow. fit, maybe at the end of the season he might be close to it. Uh, and this is a kid twenty years old. He. Yeah, his value has gone through the roof. He can play on the left, as I said, but he can also play in the middle. He's both-footed. You know, the, the list of talents goes on and on and on. Um, he's well known internationally. There is, uh, you know, obviously apparent interest in in him. Uh, I haven't heard anything sort of fixed, as it were. Um, but apparently, in in German media, Leverkusen have had a look at him, but I don't think he would make that move based on the position of both clubs. I think for him, as soon as possible, he needs to be playing Champions League football. I think that would be my challenge to him, as it were. Um, at 20, with over 100 caps for one club, nearing 100 Bundesliga caps, I think you want appearances. You want to, you want to be playing at the highest level, and that's probably the main reason, along with a huge pay packet, that Julian Draxler left Schalke for Wolfsburg, because he knows, just like anybody in football, that you need to be playing in the biggest club competition if you want to be somebody. And I take it he would feel he would fit in at that level of champion. He is more than capable. Uh, he would fit in no problem. Uh, he's very, as I say, quick, talented in around the area, got some good skills, but very good going forward. Um, just very nimble, makes some, makes some smart decisions in the final third as well, which is noticeable for his age, but that comes with experience, which sounds ridiculous for a 20 year old, but as I say, making that many appearances. So, and he's finally settled. I think that's the thing that sort of gets him for me. I think this season will be a turning point. He's finally settled. He's now, I would consider him a first team regular, really, for Schalke. And I think that's really, really important for him. I think the next challenge is if Schalke don't make the Champions League soon, okay, this season or next, he's, he's going to have to make a tough choice. But I'm sure his agent will be in his ear about that. And, and, and if that choice has to be made, do, do you see his future remaining in Germany or is he a type of player that might sort of spread his wings and, and go elsewhere in Europe? 
I don't know. It's, I think it's early to say. I think I don't want to sort of cop out on it because that's not necessarily what people want to hear. But uh, I think at 20 and a player like this, who is obviously very loyal to a club, you know, anybody at 20 makes 100 appearances. I, I don't know. I think he'd be tempted to stay with Schalke for a bit longer because he feels like he should stick with them. Um, I... Uh, I think it's too early to say whether he would move abroad. I think his talent would demand it eventually if he keeps improving the way that he is certainly looking like he will. Um, I think he would demand to play on a higher stage. Uh, if he doesn't move to Bayern or Dortmund eventually, then I'm sure somebody will come in and he'll want to play at the highest level in in Spain or in in the Premier League. He has the ability to to play at that at the top level eventually. Um, any player who can stay fit and continue to improve that way. Definitely. Well, you know, it's, it's an education speaking to you, actually, Jonathan. You know, so number one, the refreshing, refreshing that you know these guys are getting game time. Number two, that they seem loyal as well. These are these are the traits that are missing in, in modern day football, in my opinion. And you, you know, everybody you're talking about, oh, they're quite loyal to this club, and, and it's just it's so refreshing to hear. Um, Germany just seems to be a refreshing league. Well, I think the loyalty stems from the coaching, which stems from the chances that these young guys are given. You know, the, the, I think they they understand that they're being given opportunity because they're working hard in training and the two things are linked um, and they have to gain the manager's trust. Players know that it doesn't come uh, as a given. Um, you know, you talk about loyalty. There are obviously still incidents in Germany where loyalty is betrayed. Julian Draxler is the best example. You know, he's from Schalke all the way through and then he leaves for Wolfsburg for money and that was a real disappointment. Mario Götz at Dortmund and then he leaves for Bayern, you know, and... There are there have been incidences where that sort of has broken by young players, but I think on the whole, most fans understand young players when they leave, if they leave at the right time. Um, so Leroy Sane, Max Meyer, two examples that I've named. Uh, I think yeah, if I think Schalke fans will probably already be talking about it. You know, they'll be saying, "Look, these guys are great." But how long are we going to be able to keep them? You know, and but they're realistic about it. You know, okay, maybe he stays another season. He gets really good. We sell him for forty million. Happy with that. I think most Schalke fans would probably say that. Uh, of course, they would love to keep them in the long term. But most, most, most people would be realistic in the sense that I hope he plays well for us as long as possible. But at the same time, I'm also aware that you know eventually football and and money come hand in hand, and at some time he's going to have to go. I think. Loyalty is at this age is refreshing, as you say, but I think it's to do with the system, and the system is ingrains that from a young age. No, indeed, you know, it's just so it's just so nice to hear. Listen, time's marching on. Let's get to your striker. Uh, Who have you got for us uh, up front? There are not again, as I said about centre backs. Strikers are difficult to come by. Uh, Certainly, the way that German football is going at the moment, there is a real lack of out-and-out strikers because there's a, la- a real lack of a demand. There's not a demand for, you know, bulldozing number nines. Um, it's not the way that football is played out here, really, or at least successful p- football. Um, it was between Timo Werner at Stuttgart, who is another young gun that's sort of impressing uh, and has shown some signs this season that he has made further steps in the right direction after what looked like maybe a couple of steps backwards uh, in the last year. But I'm going to go with Max Kruse, who is by far and away the oldest member of this team at 27. Um, But he's 
made some very shrewd decisions in his career. Um, he's played <laughs> played for a number of different teams. It's worth pointing out. Actually, he was at, he was at Bremen, then he was at Pauli, um, and then he was at Freiburg. And I think it was when he was at Freiburg that he got a lot of people's attention. He was and he is uh, a striker that can play in the ten, and I think that's probably the best way to decide it or to describe him and his style of play. I think he's the perfect striker for Germany. Uh, he's 14 caps. You know, he's, I think he's a, a he must be a mainstay. He must be a key part of the Euro 2016 squad, so far as I'm concerned. Um, his goal scoring ability is not of is not an issue. He's not a heavy goal scoring striker, but I think if you have this this setup with maybe three behind one striker, it doesn't need to be. His interplay is what gets it gets me the most. There have been so many times this season where he's dropped deep into midfield. He's been the one making the cut through pass that slices the defense. He's been the one that starts the move and then runs on and is at the end of it. Um, he's a player that knows how to play football. And I think that's so indicative, really, of, of the way that Wolfsburg have certainly gone post De Bruyne, but also the way that Germany are playing and why he fits in so well. He had that great success um, at Freiburg. He was obviously a bit of a, well, I wouldn't say a cult hero at Pauli, but he was there. I think he played 100 games or so for them. So he certainly had some serious sort of grounding there then he went to Freiburg and he was great at Freiburg it was the year where Freiburg uh, sort of went into the Europa League and everyone was really surprised and he did really really well um and he I think he surprised a lot of people that he left um Gladbach he left Freiburg for Gladbach was great at Gladbach he was one of those players that helped bridge the gap um after the Royce era uh and I I think he was very much of the same ilk in terms of how he plays in an attacking sense, very fluid. I think that's probably the watchword with Max Gruzzi gets uh, mentioned so often. Um, fluid player. Um, I think he, and then it surprised so many people that he left, that he left so much, uh, that he left so soon. Sorry, he left Freiburg so soon, uh, Gladbach so soon to go to Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. But I think that's a shrewd decision in the end because, um, what well, Champions League football? It comes back to the same thing, and he looks very, very comfortable at this level. Uh, there's, there's no denying that he is um, capable of playing even higher up. Should he, should he want to? Um, I don't, I don't think it's uh, an issue if he chooses to go. At 27, I think he's well set to stay at Wolfsburg for a while, a couple more years. He's 29, 30, and a lot of people looking the other way anyway. So. I think he's made all the right decisions. I think he was worried that his his time or his shot, his window of opportunity was was running out. But um, the guy is uh, is is so talented uh, at the way in which he involves himself in the play. He's not always the one at the end of it, but I think um, that's that's the thing that gets me the most. Uh, he he's just very. I think a lot of people have come to realize how good he was, but. Um, or how good he is, sorry. Um, but it's taken a lot of hard work on his part to get there. This is not necessarily a player that has burst through youth ranks uh, and and come through at twenty and been a sensation. Uh, it's not. It's not like that. Um, he had to. He had to do something really quite brave, and I think he's done that by making the moves that he's done uh, that he's made. And kudos to him. Kudos to him. Okay then, uh, we'll, we'll move along, Jonathan. As you know, I've asked you to to, to pick uh, someone for our WFI Top 100 list, 
And uh, since you've you've gone the distance here and, and given us a full team of talent as well, I'm going to give you two picks. I'm going to ask you to pick one from from your team of eleven and also your own personal pick. So the floor is yours. Go ahead and, and let us know who who that is. Uh, well, from the eleven, um, I think the standout player who's furthest along in their career, it's probably Max Meyer or, or Max Cruiser. Um, either way, it's Mighty Max. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, with Max Cruiser. I think that's I think it might shock a few people, but I think it really does deserve to be mentioned in the way in which he's going and, and the efforts that he's made to to be where he is now. Uh, more players should watch him make his movement off the ball and what he does. I think it really the way in which he plays football needs to be. It's in and it's an underappreciated art. It's not always about goal scoring, but it's also about where you are. So. Um, Give him a look. I think outside of that, I recently wrote an article on him and uh, I think not enough people are talking about him, but Jerome Boateng is for me the best defender in the world. I wow. <laughs> don't think, I mean, I would welcome uh, any anybody who would like to give me some evidence to disagree, but um, I've watched the guy for a very long time. I used to live in Munich. I used to work down down regularly with Bayern and I used to be in the stadium a lot and I've watched him very, very consistently make a development to where he is now. And I have not seen a defender make the developments that he's made in such a short period of time. Uh, I, I don't know a defender that has the passing range, short to, short passing and long range passing that he does. He has a long range passing ability better than most Bundesliga players, um, regardless of position. He's able to drift out of defense and play in midfield. Uh, he's got a not a bad long-range shot on him. He's good in the air. I know most people will, will say, yeah, but don't you remember when Lionel Messi left him on his backside in the new camp? I'll say, yeah, but don't you remember when Lionel Messi was marked out of the World Cup final by Jerome Boateng? Um, swings and roundabouts. Uh, I, I don't think he should be judged on one incident in a game in which Bayern were bad. Um, he wasn't the only one. Um, I, I think he has to be in the top 10 list of players currently playing. Uh, I don't, I'm shocked, but also not shocked because of the, uh, because it's a FIFA award, but I'm shocked he wasn't even considered for Ballon d'Or. Uh, you know, I know we're in an era where we're spoiled by Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, but, and I'm sure we'll be even more aware of that when they both retire, but. Just because you don't score goals doesn't mean you should be neglected. And I think anybody who has ever played football, particularly in a defensive position, uh, whatever level, Sunday league with two people and a dog watching, um, you can appreciate that it, it takes a lot and that it is an important part of the game to be a defensive leader, to make those tackles, to prevent goals. Obviously, you don't look up when the scoreboard doesn't change and people aren't cheering your name. There's a certain level of expectation. But I think that's that's where we might have lost our way in appreciating that. And that's why Jerome Boateng is also on the list. Well, I said wow in the middle of that because I think that's our first defender on the list. You broke the mold here, Jonathan. There you I go. And I, that proves my point wonderfully. No, it it actually does, and you know I said what, and you went into that, and, and you you just have explained it. But as, as I say, I can't think of anyone else who's added a defender. 
um, you know, in all the times that we've been doing this. And, and it's such a welcome, uh, it's such a welcome change, really. <laughs> Listen, Jonathan, time has marched on us, sadly. I could sit and talk to you all night about this because it's just, to me, it's just so, it's, it's just the way football should be, really, the, the, the sound of the Bundesliga. Uh, and I know that a lot of guys that, that I would speak to would, would, would say, you know, it is, it's just the best league. It's just the, the best way of going. And, and, you know, it's maybe even a, even a little bit less corrupt than the rest and whatnot. Uh, and, just, and it's uh, just a. I hope it protects itself. That's all I will say. I completely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you feel the passion that I get to feel every day, every Saturday. Um, it really is a fantastic league to be involved in, but I, I hope it, I hope it stays that way. Yeah, no, I, I did podcast with another guy who who lives in Berlin. There, he's he's actually from Northern Ireland as well. And and you know, his his words about the Bundesliga, and you know, the pricing, every everything about it just seems to be. It's more about the fans than it is about making money. And that's, that, that really is, is, is the message that I get from anybody I speak to the Bundesliga about. And, and, it, and it's the way it should be. I remember football when it was like that. And I, you know, I realize it's, it's gone the way it's gone. It's global. It's marketing and it's all the rest of it. But the game suffered for it, in my opinion. And Germany seems to be the last ray of hope that, that, that it, it may still come back, you know? I, I think it certainly, it has taken on that mantle. It's taken on the uh, the pure football, as it were. The the way the good old days have, have come back, and, and Germany are keeping them alive. As I say, I just hope that it stays. I think there are forces at work now uh, in an attempt to try and make the league more competitive. Uh, there are forces at work to change the rules, to spend more money, and to follow the most. to follow the system of the best league in the world um, which is of course well I say of course apparently the Premier League Um, I think that's what that's what (laughs) that's what makes me slightly concerned Uh, I think the Bundesliga needs to protect its base values Uh, it's a great league you know fans on the whole have great experiences Uh, the stadium atmosphere is incredible the prices are what they should be uh, transport connections are included in prices. Transport connections are great. Police presence is great. Um, it's just what it should be. Um, and, you know, in most Bundesliga stadiums, a Saturday is a family affair. And that really is, you know, a, a very interesting insight into the way that it that it is set up. You know, there are obviously sections of fans that are, you know, passionate, um, slightly more involved in the situation, but that families feel that they can do that on a regular basis does tell you everything about the entire setup. I think that's it's really nice to see generations being passed on. I think generations of football families enjoying a situation with each other. I think that's great. No, it's funny. You, you struck a chord with me there because, as I say, I, I was at uh, the Germany-Ghana match in Fortaleza here in the World Cup. And, and it was actually something that I saw there. You, you know, supporters of the World Cup are, World Cup are very different to, 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 to obviously league football. But the, the amount of German families that were, that were entering that stadium, you, you know, uh, mother, father, maybe a son, a daughter, or a son, single son, single daughter. But it was very noticeable. And, and yep. obviously that translates from the league then, Jonathan. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I remember when I was down in Munich, as I mentioned earlier, like the number of times that families would go there and, and I would see them in their group, you know, their groups, as you say, talking about it on the way in. They've all got their jackets on, they've got hats, they've got the little seat mats, they've got the programs, all the every little ritual that goes along the way. And, you know, 
and they're and they're walking along to the stadium next to you know ten teenagers who are really excited, you know, that are ready for the game. And I just think it's it's nice to see. I, I'm not saying that it's all you know roses and romance, and then there's no terrible issues. You know, there are a few problems here and there. Always are with with large people, large groups of people in one place. Um, but on the whole, I think it's. Uh, it's a really, really encouraging thing to have, you know, to be able to to sell football, which isn't always a possibility to sell it as a, as a family kind of event. It's not always the way. No, indeed. Uh, listen, we have gone way over time, but really, I don't care because it's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, wow. An absolutely wonderful guest, and and I would love to have you back sometime in the future to talk about the Bundesliga. Maybe, um, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, give us a roundup, or maybe in the halfway mark during the uh, during the winter break, you'd be very My welcome pleasure. back if you if, if you'd My be willing to do it because because I, I I want to learn about this league, and 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 really, I think that there's there's maybe more than me as well in our in our listeners who who would who would. Agree agree with me so if you would be up for it i would love to have you back is there anything you would like to plug uh, anything you're working on maybe other podcasts anything like that feel free uh to, to plug away no i, I don't really have to I, I i'm always working if, if you'd like to stay in touch with what i write uh, it's normally focused around bundesliga on the weekends uh, i write normally about Bayern munich as well during the week uh, i have a twitter handle john blog 66 feel free to follow me on there i have a facebook page if that's your thing feel free but no i mean there are most of my articles are out there feel free to to have a look and and do you participate as well in the, the talking football uh, podcast i believe don't you i do yes uh, talking football is the english source for the bundesliga uh, james thoroughgood is the host it's very close friend of mine and uh, Archie, Alex, uh, all of the guys uh, that work on there, John Hartley, great Bundesliga uh, journalists, people that uh, have have great knowledge of the lead, the league. Um, also, definitely worth following to to give you the full picture. Um, people that really understand what what they're talking about. Um, it gives you a weekly roundup of the Bundesliga. Uh, what's happened in the major games well how we've seen things going on we do weekly awards goal of the week and talk about what the situation is for players developing and things like that so if that's your bag it's it's normally only about half an hour to 40 minutes long so it's nice and concise maybe your commute to work but yeah i mean just just jump on we're 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 a, a merry band of, of journalists the uh the group of english-speaking journalists have come over to germany to talk about the Bundesliga. we're a very close-knit group quite a unique friendship i think in that sense all of us uh and it's 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 nice to see it's nice to be a part of their great great group of guys and um yeah as i say uh, give them all a follow they're all very very educational and, and know exactly what they're talking about so no indeed and there and there you go for for, for, for people who like myself uh, are having their eyes open to, to the wonders of the bundesliga there's a podcast out there as well to to, to, to supplement it and in english for you that if you want to get into it and have a bit of a look at it that's exactly. the perfect example exactly. yeah but listen Jonathan thank you so much again one last time for, for, for appearing with us and hopefully as you say we'll, we can get you back in the future and, and, and uh, put a little bit more out in the Bundesliga uh, for you for myself I would just like to say uh, thank you to everybody for listening we're going to keep these podcasts coming at you um, I, we have some wonderful guests lined up 
around the globe. We've got South America um, coming up with the same thing of, of the young players and who's worth looking at. Um, I think we've got France coming up as well. Uh, as well as our main pod, uh, I'm delighted to announce that uh, we, we've secured Billy Hamilton, a player from the for Northern Ireland in the, uh, the 82 World Cup in Spain. And he's going to come and review the 82 World Cup with us um, as a guest and his experiences of being there, which... You know, one of my childhood heroes. Uh, I'm, I'm more than delighted to be having on. Uh, but, but other than that, uh, I'll say time has marched on us dreadfully tonight, but apologies to you for that. But we've brought you some wonderful content. Uh, so it only leaves me to say thank you once again for listening. Thank you once again to Jonathan. And it's good night from me.